Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and joining me ahead of the Week 12 matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles, Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation. Michael, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this Sunday's game. I know you guys are coming off a tough loss to the New England Patriots, but uh, you guys are going into your home stretch down with, with just six games left on the schedule. Yeah, and, and the schedule is uh, looking pretty nice, except for the game literally right in front of us with, with the Seahawks. I mean, obviously, when you look at the grand scheme of things for the Eagles, as you, you're kind of alluding to here, the rest of the schedule, there's a lot of cupcake games that, that that should win, a lot of divisional games against bad teams. And then there's two games that are really important, and that's Seattle and Dallas, which is not until week 16. So right now, I mean, you got to get one of two of those two. And for the Eagles, hopefully it starts with this one with the Seahawks. But right now, spirits are not exactly high in Philadelphia. And I can understand why they're, you're going to be a little bit down because especially getting out to a 10 nothing lead against the Patriots, the, that Philadelphia Eagles defense against Tom Brady, it looked like you know they were holding him in check for the most part. Um, what was your takeaway from, from that game against the Patriots? Yeah, it was really surprising because usually it's the Eagles that you can bet on going down 10 to nothing in games. It's kind of been the story of their season. It was the story of last season. They've had a real tough time getting early starts, coming out hot and whatnot. So when they had the 10 nothing, I was like, wow, this is going a lot better than expected because I expected the Patriots just to kind of beat up on them for, for the duration of the game with their tough defense and having Brady back there. But Brady didn't have a good game. You know, the most incompletions that he's had in the first half of his career with 14, which is crazy for the Eagles defense based on what we kind of expected from him. Because, I mean, they were playing well, but they also played well against Josh Allen and Mr. Trubisky. That's not Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and then the offense you know they pull off like a 95 96 yard drive and everything is looking great and then just everything bogs down as soon as Belichick makes some adjustments and uh, the Eagles can't get anything going and there's a last gasp at the end it was feeling pretty good and then it felt pretty bad for a long time and it's just this offense is kind of painful to watch and they're they're boring to watch man they're like a really not an interesting team there's not a whole lot going on and I think that's where some of the frustration comes from which we can talk about with some of the offensive issues specifically but yeah I mean expectations were not high coming into this game I think a lot of people figured that the Eagles would lose lose this but the way they did after a promising start is probably the most frustrating part about it. Well then, Michael, I think we're giving our listeners some valuable information here because anybody who's watched the Seahawks, they know they get off to slow starts. Uh, It sounds like the Eagles are getting off to a slow start for the most part of the season. I think we should all just tune in at halftime and (laughs) and decide to watch the game from there because this could be a slow starting game for both teams. Yeah, if it's if it's halftime and I imagine it's going to be a one score game at halftime, it's kind of like watching the first half of a basketball game. Yeah, none of it really matters at the end of the day. Of course, there are adjustments to be made as coaches and whatnot, but as fans, who cares? Like it's it's I think it's going to this one come down to the end, because like you said, Seahawks are slow starters, but then they start to ramp up. I mean, the same thing with the Eagles. A lot of games they've tended to hit their stride when they do hit their stride. It's around the second or third quarter, which is why the Patriots game was so weird. And then, you know, they've been in a lot of close games. And the Seahawks, for their part, 
even against bad opponents have been in really tight games. Yeah. And, you know, as we talked about before we started recording, you know, if Pete Carroll would go for it on fourth down, maybe that would solve some of those issues. But Pete Carroll just apparently loves to be in close games, which is good for the Eagles, but then also bad because Russell Wilson is a, is a magic man that can pull out any win from any situation, no matter the circumstances. He's playing unbelievable ball. But yeah, I do expect a close game. It should be a fun one. Hey, I, you know, I can nitpick all I want with Pete Carroll and his decisions, but when I look at the schedule and I see that we're 8-2 and two on the season, yeah. that is not somewhere where I expected my Seahawks to be at the start of the season. So I, I don't want to complain too much, uh, especially when we got a good thing going. I And with looking at the Eagles, I, I'm having a problem deciding because there's been some excellent games. I look at that game against Buffalo where just everything seemed like it was clicking. That Wentz did have some turnovers which were an issue, but you know, that that's really seemed like one of the better games against a, a pretty solid defense in the Buffalo Bills. And then I look at at some of the other games the Eagles have played and I think, gosh, you know, they they should be better than this. And I I'm just having a I'm struggling deciding if the Eagles are good or or if they're bad. There, there's, there's been multiple podcasts where the question was asked throughout the season, is this Eagles team actually good? Like we're not quite sure. And you know, the Buffalo game was one coming into it. We weren't sure. And I wasn't big on Buffalo. So I wasn't real surprised by the Eagles win there, but I thought the game plan was brilliant. I thought it was one of the better called games when had a, had a very efficient uh, game and then had made some plays with his legs at the end of the game. I think you look at like the big game factor for the Eagles and it kind of goes to what you're talking about because green Bay was playing high level defensive ball and high level ball pretty much all around. And the Eagles were able to beat them. Buffalo had a, a fantastic record coming in there and their defense was playing fantastic as well and they come in there and they they play bully ball with them and they beat them up and come away with a pretty easy win at the end of the day but then you look at the other important games like Dallas and you come out and you just lay a total stinker you play Minnesota and the defense just gets track meted out of the building before the offense can really respond and Wentz did a good job of clawing his way back into that game could have been tied if Alshon Jeffrey stays in bounds on one they could have had a touchdown if Howard doesn't blow a block like there were a lot of different little things that didn't break the Eagles way in that game, but they definitely fought in that one. But then you look at new England and and the, and the offense just has a, has a poor showing because I mean, there are multiple factors to this too. Do they get Alshon back? Do they get Jordan Howard back? We know they're not getting Deshaun Jackson back. How is the offense going to respond to that? You know, the bye week you have all this week to prep and then you realize, Oh, okay, well, we're not going to have Alshon and Jordan. We have to change a bunch of things now. So they kind of lost the benefit of that and they didn't even get healthier in the bye week. So they had like none of the benefits of the bye week from that and as such it was a bit of a sloppy performance on the offensive side of the ball uh with the seahawks their offense is going to be able to put up points and my hope in this game for the eagles and and the seahawks have been a very good red zone offense to this point i think they're in the top five for touchdown red zone efficiency Mm -hmm. they're seventh in touchdown drive efficiency overall in the season i think my hope for the eagles in this one is that the defense can just keep them in a position to win because we like i said we've seen them track meted out of the building before the offense takes care of the ball and the defense can get them one turnover and at the end of the day if you get seattle to the point where because they have the tendency not to go for it and i get look I was big on Seattle coming into this year. I like Pete Carroll as a coach. It's one flaw that he has. We can talk about it without saying that he's a bad coach, right? But if you can get them to the red zone, the near red zone, let's say they get there five times, you only allow them to score touchdowns twice. I mean, that's 40% in the red zone. That's reasonable for the, for the defense. It's a reasonable ask. And maybe you get three field goal attempts and, 
you know, the, their kicker, who is it? Uh, Jacob Myers, Jason Myers, Jason whatever Myers, his name yeah. is. Yeah, hasn't been great from 40 to 49. Hasn't been great from 50 plus. If you can get three field goals and maybe he misses one, now you're talking about 20 points. That's a winnable game for the Eagles. So, you know, coming into this, I didn't want to talk myself into an Eagles win, but I can see how it's possible. There is a path there, uh, but the path does not include Russell Wilson playing just absolutely ridiculous ball. Uh, we could be, you kind of have to get a B game out of him, and I don't know how much that that's possible, even with how well the Eagles defense has been playing. He's been having an outstanding year, and I think this you know competition with Lamar Jackson, I think maybe that'll help play <laughs> into it as well. But I do I, I notice there's a big debate on Twitter because I put up like uh, something about Lamar and I put up something about Wilson and I always get people bringing up one of the other two quarterbacks. I think it's because of the, like the MVP debate. They're now trying to turn against like the other. I hate MVP <laughs> debates because Dude, we talk I don't about think we have to. I don't think we have to solve it now. We, we still have six right. more games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And who cares? Like, honestly, who cares who gets the MVP at the end of the year? That doesn't matter. They, they are the two quarterbacks in the league that are playing at a consistently elite level let's just shut up and enjoy it how hard is that (laughs) i am cheering the crap out of lamar jackson over the next two weeks because he plays against the rams and he plays against the 49ers i want lamar to go two and oh over the next two weeks there you go so you have all the reason in the world seahawks fan to support lamar jackson plus he's (laughs) super fun to watch he is super fun to watch and and unfortunately we did have to uh witness uh, him taking our team down earlier on the season. So it's uh, they've had their struggles at home. The Seahawks have not had their struggles on the road, though. 5-0 and on the road yeah. with a win in Philly. They could match their season total, go back to the 2013 season where they were 6-2 and on the road. We know what happened that year. It worked out really well. But I, I go back to this idea of it being... And you're talking yourself into that idea of, of it being a, a pretty big game for the Eagles, especially the stretch they're going into. I just I wonder if there's that f- extra emphasis then knowing that, OK, if if we have these teams on the schedule, if we can beat the Cowboys week 16, we could be the team that's the potentially fourth seed in the NFC. And mm-hmm. then this could be a first round preview if the Seahawks stay in the position they're at, if San Francisco mm-hmm. can can stay ahead in the division it could be the Eagles winning the East and then it could be the Seahawks coming back to Philly for that first round of the playoffs. So I I feel like there is maybe some extra emphasis on this game for Philly. I I really do. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good way to kind of frame that as far as like the past they can take and what can happen from there. And and you mentioned the success on the road for the Seahawks, which, which has been fantastic for them. I'll tell you this much. If the Eagles were on the road with everything they have going on, I would be much less confident about this game. And I'm not even that confident, but the the reason being, and, and this is, this is big for the Eagles because they're dealing with so much flux at their wide receiver position. And they're probably going to start to incorporate, you know, guys like JJ Ortega Whiteside into the offense a bit more, We don't know the health on Howard. He's a veteran. He's smart. Being at home for these games, the pre-snap communication from Wentz has to be active. It has to be clear. If they're on the road and it's the 12th man yelling in their ear all game, I I can see nothing but disorganization from this offense. And I think you are still going to get an element of confusion and disorganization from the Eagles. So Wentz has got to line guys up and people are lined up in the wrong position and whatnot. But I do do feel confident that they'll be able to – eventually kind of settle into the game. The defense just needs to keep him in it in that first quarter and the way that the Seahawks played, it kind of plays into that for the Eagles. So very important that it's at home with as well as the Seahawks are playing on the road. 
Well, let's take a quick break. I want to come back and I want to ask you about some of the the biggest struggles from the team so far. I, I kind of get a sense to where you're going with it, but <laughs> let's take a quick break. We'll come back and get into it. Joined by Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, Seahawks and Eagles, Week 12 matchup coming up on Sunday. Going to be an early start time. Unfortunately, we, we had the, the Sunday night game taken away from both of us. I don't yeah. know if you're as salty about that as me, but uh, I, I just I like watching the Seahawks in prime time, and I, I was all primed to watch it. Now it's it's it goes back to the earliest part of the day for me. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like you always want the primetime games because those are exciting and they get like an outsized influence with how like national media and fans and what kind of perceive these teams because it's their best chance to see them without watching their team as well. But at the same time, like, you know, after the game, I got to write an article and do a podcast and edit. And then I always want to like chart the game and rewatch it and so on and so forth. And it's just the, those night games, man, they keep you up until three, four o'clock in the morning and you're thinking about the game and you're all t- off because they lost and it's just it's a bad scene all around so i like to get it in a little bit earlier it would have been nice if it would have been prime time but you know that's on the eagles so <laughs> they gotta fix that for us i i suppose i i could put a little blame on the eagles as well i, I feel <laughs> like we're holding up our end of the bargain on this but uh it, what is it about this eagles team michael that is is such a struggle because i i watched the game and I still see that uh, that magic sometimes from Carson Wentz where the pocket kind of collapses around him and he's able to escape it and make these big throws downfield. It, it, that's still there. And it feel I feel like we've seen that, you know, through his, his four seasons as uh, the Eagles quarterback. Yeah, so there's a lot of different truths about Carson Wentz, and some of them are contradictions. For instance, right now, Carson Wentz is a a, a vertical quarterback in a horizontal system because it has to be horizontal. It has to be condensed because they don't have a deep threat. The one deep threat that they they, thought they had in a backup to Deshaun Jackson as far as like, okay, this is deep threat one. This is deep threat two. It was supposed to be Nelson Aguilar. He's been terrible this season. I mean, PFF literally has him ranked 129 out of 129th for wide receivers. Wow. He has been bad. He can't track a ball. It was a far cry from what he was in 2017. People in Philly think he has a burner now going around defending him. Like it, it's, it is wild. So what? It's a contradiction of what Wentz is versus what the offense has to be right now. Because Wentz for for his faults this season, and there are there. I mean, there are times where he can start to press the Dallas game, the new England game pressed a lot, missed open receivers is not trusting of the guys right now around him, probably for good cause. But at the same time, he's got to put the onus on them. Uh, his short to short, you know, area accuracy has been bad. This guy's thrown the deep ball. Fine. Nobody's going to make a play. So when nobody's making a play and you aren't stuffing the stat box and you aren't moving the ball like that, because of those big plays, all the little things that that's going wrong with Wentz are magnified to a crazy degree. For instance, is you know short area accuracy, and then the times where he does hold on to the ball, he takes unnecessary sacks. Those are all being magnified because we aren't getting the high point moments that in, in such a frequency that we're used to with Wentz. Because on the other end of the ball, if one guy's playing hero ball, there needs to be some heroism on the other end of that throw too, and that's not happening for him. And we saw flashes of it at the end of the New England game. You know, he scrambles out of the pocket, he's in the back of the end zone, he almost trips, and then he finds JJ Arthago white side down the field, and it's a it's a great throw and catch and he gets them all the way down to the 27 and he misses three throws in a row mm. three routine throws in a row and then at the end fourth you know fourth down it's cover zero he throws him one up into the back of the end zone it's a 
damn near perfect ball. And now Snagler has issues tracking with it as he has all season, turns himself to, into a pretzel, fakes the knee injury, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it all ends up bad. People forget about those three misses if, uh, if Aguilar comes down with it. You know, there are three catches that you can point to. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in the Detroit Lions game, Nelson Aguilar in the Atlanta Falcons game, and this one by Aguilar in the New England game. That could be the turning point in games to where we're not really talking about these other issues with Wentz because the overall picture is, Holy crap. Did you see what did you see that? Did you see the way he came through? Well, his guys aren't coming through for him. So when guys aren't making big plays for him, the little stuff gets magnified. And it's been an issue with this offense. Like I said, vertical quarterback trying to run a horizontal system. And it's just a contradiction. And, and it's not working out great for them right now. I think back to that Falcons game. And I think of a wide open drop by Aguilar, too, that, that would have led to a touchdown. So, yeah, yeah, definitely some problems there. But you guys have... For receiving threats, I, I don't necessarily look at the receivers. I look at Zach Ertz. I, I look at Dallas Goddard. I, I feel mm. like those are the guys and have also been, you know, it's tight ends is a, an area where the Seahawks have struggled in the past. Yeah, and, and it's a big part of their offense. I mean, everyone kind of knows that the offense flows through Ertz. Now, it, it's a problem when you don't have the threats on the outside. The offense comes condensed because Deshaun was supposed to be the guy that took the top off and allowed Ertz to wor- work those middle areas of the field. It's also a problem when you have, you know, Trey White followed Zach Ertz around, and then you have Stephon Gilmore following Ertz around, and he's got brackets all over the place because he's the only real threat. And Goddard, for his part, you know, this is a this is a team that wants to run a lot of 12 personnel. Goddard's a fantastic fantastic blocker and he's a pretty good receiver right now and he's acquitted himself well leads the team in touchdowns and whatnot he's just not like that that veteran that can get open against anything right now and they're still missing that over the top threat so while this offense can effectively move the ball down the field and we've seen a few times this year we're in the fourth quarter they've needed 13 play drives 15 play drives 16 play drives to kind of close games out the running game has played a role but the tight ends not only in the running game but in the passing game as well have been very consistent targets for Carson Wentz. It's just the other stuff, not getting the explosive stuff in the middle portions of the game that's really hurting them. So those two tight ends, if they get going and the run game gets going, again, then yeah, it might be a problem for Seattle, but you know, overall, you're not too worried about trying to cover things over top and you can bring your defense in a little bit to prevent against that. Well, and it's it's not just the the run game aspect for the Eagles. Miles Sanders out of the backfield, uh, catching passes. Holy smokes, he's looking good. Yeah, he's been probably like their most explosive receiver, which is yeah. which is crazy to say. And and honestly, if you look at the New England game plan, I mean, the Eagles tried to get Sanders on a wheel a couple of times early in that game. And you could tell that the Patriots were very focused to make sure that their linebackers stayed on top of that route. So New England was cognizant of that factor, too, and they basically eliminated him as a wide receiver. Alex Sanders is going to be a, a, a darn good receiving back. He's got some serious struggles as a running back, as a runner mm. right now. But in the passing game, he hasn't been the liability as a, as a pass blocker that we, we thought he was going to be based on his tape coming out of college. And his profile is always projected well, despite a lack of production in college as a receiver, to being a good receiver in the NFL. I think the next evolution for him and something I was hoping to see out of the bye week and I didn't quite see is, you know, the Eagles like to use that trips formation with a guy backside and then they like the high low with that guy in Sanders start giving him some option routes start using a little more like Alvin Kamara we saw him a little bit more in the slot after the bye they might try to incorporate that because they are desperately searching for answers right now on how to get chunk plays out of this passing game so if I'm the Seahawks I'm also I'm focusing on Ertz but I'm making sure that Sanders is accounted for and not beating me deep 
Now, how about on that Philadelphia Eagles defense? Because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a top 10 defense. This seems like the strength of the Eagles. And, and maybe that's just going back and watching the Patriots game and the way they shut down Tom Brady. But I think it also kind of plays out in the stats. I, I'm seeing, you know, number four rush defense, uh, number nine overall defense. I guess the passing, uh, oh. they, you've mentioned they've given up some deep shots. And I think back to the Falcons game. Uh, and uh, and there's been some other instances. I think the Buffalo game where they were taking some deep shots that just didn't quite connect. But mm-hmm. it seemed like it seems like that's how teams want to attack the Eagles' defense is going for some of those deep shots. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those deep shots against the Eagles come off play action. And there's a few reasons for that that plays out well for the Seahawks and how they can attack them. Number one, nobody stacks a box like Jim Schwartz. You can look at uh, you know any of the metrics. I've reached out to people from Sports Info Solutions for this information. You can look at next-gen stats. The running backs they go up against are always going up against eight-plus man boxes. His number one, number two, number three concern mm. is stopping the run to a fault, to the point where six yards is more than four has become a rallying cry among our circle and you know BGN radio Twitter because he is so apt to give that that off coverage and give you the six-yard curl, but he's so afraid to give up four yards on the ground. And as such, this is a defense that flows really hard to the run. So when you have that play action and the Seahawks run it to both sides because Wilson can throw to his left and going to his right, which is dangerous, and he's mobile, you know, doing that also adding that extra layer of protection which often comes with play action you go max protect and you get those downfield routes the eagles really struggle with covering that we saw you know early on in the season we got gashed by by terry mclaurin and he could have had two big ones and the eagles play a lot of coverages where the safety is responsible for buzzing down and the corners are responsible for two deep halves and it's and it's gotten them burn a ton because they have problems running it so jalen mills coming back has been good Ronald Darby coming back has been good. Timmy Jernigan adds another, you know, pass rushing presence on the interior defense of that line. So, uh, you know, there's there's hope there, but there are ways to beat this Eagles defense. They are giving up Hall of Fame numbers to play action passing. I saw that the Seahawks ran you know, play action 48% against the 49ers and have really increased their usage of it over the past few weeks. That's where the Seahawks can hurt the Eagles. Well, and uh, if they're going to do it, if they are going to throw the ball, though, they do have some guys on that defensive line to worry about. Uh, Brandon Graham leading the team in pressures and in sacks. Uh, you got Fletcher Cox in the middle, who's always causing problems. And, and then you have, you know, Derek Barnett, who's having a, who seems to be having a, a pretty good year in terms of his pressure and sack numbers. Um, the, what other guy, are there any other guys on the, the defensive line that uh, Russell Wilson's going to have to be worrying about? I mean, Vinny Curry had a decent game last week. They're pretty deep at pass rusher. Josh Sweat has had some flashes in the past as well. So their defensive end rotation isn't bad. They're never going to get dynamic production just from a sack standpoint from Brandon Graham. He's more of a pressure guy. Uh, Derek Barnett has been up and down. Hasn't really been, you know, proven that he's worth the 14th overall pick, which is where they took him. He's still, what, 23, turning 24 years old, whatever the case is. But they haven't really been getting the the dynamic production. Really where it's going to have to come from for the Eagles is working against the guards and working against the the center, who, by the way, since Justin Britt went down, holy crap, is that that an area uh, for for you guys? I think Dwayne Brown is really the only one playing pretty good level ball from the, the film that I watched. I don't know if you agree with that or not. But, you know, what they like to do is they like to kick Graham 
inside in pass rushing situations. They'll go three de- three defensive ends. They'll get them one on one with a guard. They know they're going to get the center slide to Cox. Sometimes they'll put a linebacker in the a, ba- a-, a gap so they can get a half second worth of one on one with Cox before the center comes over. But I expect from the Eagles, I think the main issue for the Seahawks to look for because this is the best way the Eagles can beat them. The Eagles are going to go five defensive linemen. They're going to drop one at the snap and they're going to hope that you know a guard doesn't come over to help the center and they're going to get Cox one on one with that center in obvious passing situations. And this is why. It's so important for the Seahawks to use play action to not only, number one, change the rush angles and slow down the pass rush, but also add protection as well for Wilson and get him moving away from that interior where that pass rush is going to happen the quickest for them. Well, I do think that make, would make a lot of sense for the Eagles because I, I feel like that's a similar way that the, the 49ers approached it. And mm-hmm. and we didn't see a lot of success from D Ford and Joey Bosa in the game, but we did see a lot of success coming from that interior. And so, yeah, uh, yeah and you mentioned <laughs> the fact Joey Hunt getting blown up. But, you know, the, the dude <laughs> is like six foot tall and yeah. uh, and 330 pounds. <laughs> like, I feel like I, for a backup center, I, I, feel, I feel okay about it. He had the one embarrassing moment. Uh, early on in that game against the 49ers, yeah. but I, I think he bounced back well from it. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that we have a center, a backup center who really knows, seems to know the offense as well as yeah. Hunt does. So um, I, I am looking forward to this game. What Going into this, what's your final prediction for Seahawks and Eagles, Michael? Ooh, brother. So I, I think I had reasonable expectations with the defense, but I might add a field goal here. God, man, it's really it's it's really tough because I haven't fully fleshed this out. I yeah. think the Eagles have a chance. I, I'm not betting against Russell Wilson in a key moment. Maybe that's a referendum on Carson Wentz, or maybe it's a I, referendum I don't think that's on this. necessarily unfounded, though. I I know Wentz had some some nice comeback games in the past, but I I look at the what he's done so far this year, and one game winning drive is, is mm. all he has this season. And it should be more. And that's part of the problem. Right. You know, even if Wentz does show up, the other guy's got to show up too. how yeah. much faith I have in that right now. I mean, we might get, you know, Alshon back, but he's dealing with the ankle injuries kind of looked a bit washed anyway. So I don't know how much of a difference that makes. So it's got to be guys on the other end of it too. The defense has to be, to be able to hold up against Russell Wilson against an attack that uses screens, which also the Eagles are bad at off of play action, which the Eagles are terrible at. It's Russell Wilson. I'm going to go Seahawks. I don't have necessarily a, a firm score prediction right now, but if I had to say, I'll go 26 to 17. Okay. That sounds about, yeah. Oh, that, geez. About okay. That's a, that would be like one of the bigger blowouts of the season for the Seahawks. <laughs> wow. I appreciate that. <laughs> the real track meet. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Michael, really want to thank you for coming on. I, I hope uh, I see a lot of questionable injury guys on the roster. I know Lane Johnson was carted off the field with a concussion. Yeah. Uh, does, do you know if he's on, in position to come back from that? It's. I, I don't think that he's going to be able to clear in time, and it's oh. looking like Andre Dillard, who was supposed to just play left tackle, is going to be playing at right tackle because Halapuli Vatibaitai was just abysmal there last oh. week. Well, so. he'll be going up against Jadavian Clowney, so I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad spot. Bad spot for a rookie, man. And, I, and look, Dillard's played well. Yeah. There's. There's. I mean, he had to play against uh, the edge rushers in Minnesota too, with Everson Griffin and Dell Hunter, and like, and then. And also Dallas too. He had to go up against Robert Quinn and like he played okay, but he gave up some stuff. I think that's what we're going to see in this one. Well, I'm looking forward to Sunday's game. Michael Kist, <laughs> Bleeding Green Nation. If people want to follow you on Twitter, where do they go? 
Michael Kist NFL, that's K-I-S-T, put Bleeding Green Nation into any podcast app that you're using and check out the biggest, best, most downloaded, most comprehensive podcast feed, team brand podcast feed in the universe. Just rub it in. Rub it in while you're on my (laughs) show, Michael. (laughs) Hey, you guys do a great job, too, and I'm glad I had had the chance to talk with you. I appreciate it, man. 